The following message was preached at Flint Hill Baptist Church. We would love for you to join us on Sundays for life groups and worship, or on Wednesdays for adult Bible study, kids, and youth activities. For more information, visit flinthill.net. Amen. Man, it is, uh, it is great to be in the house of the Lord. I was on the way here this morning. I get here usually pretty early on Sunday morning. And uh, just really just overwhelmed. You know what all, all this means to me is personally, uh, Easter. Um, I mean, I just, I'm, so, I'm just so grateful. Um, some of y'all know a little bit of my story. I'll share a little bit later. But, um, you know, I didn't grow up going to church a whole lot. And, uh, I mean, nothing against mom and dad. They love me tremendously and uh, our family. Uh, but just Jesus wasn't part of our life back during that time. And, uh, but I will say this, one thing that really came to my mind this morning on the way here as we, uh, is that okay? Something got really loud there in just a moment. Are y'all okay? I'm really loud right here. I don't know what's happening right here. I'm sorry. I'm, I'll just take it off in a minute and just come on down there with y'all in just a minute where, um, I will. Uh, but I, I was just overwhelmed quite honestly with, uh, just the, you know, when we talk about the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, uh, some of y'all may have heard this uh, for a long time, uh, but I was overwhelmed this morning just by all this, the resurrection means uh, hope, uh, second chances, the grace of God is greater than anything that we're ever going to face in this side of heaven, and, uh, and that God is for us and not against us, and I was just overwhelmed coming into the house of the Lord, coming over here today. Uh, and, I, and I just tell you that, I don't know where you are in your life, um, and I know we have many guests here today, and I am so, so grateful that you are here. And, uh, and some of y'all might be here, might be like how I was back in the day, and really didn't know a whole lot about uh, the Lord and church, and uh, some of this might seem a little strange to you. I don't know, you might just come up in the house of the Lord this morning with a friend or a family member. And I just want to say thank you for being here. My hope is that God will just speak to your heart as we walk through this message together. Uh, I, my, the title of this message, it's, uh, it's called, It's Still the Cross. It's Still the Cross. If you've got your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 through 25. I'm going to read that passage uh, in just a moment. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 through 25... The Bible declares that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the intelligence of the intelligent. I will frustrate. Where's the wise man and where's the scholar? Where's the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God is pleased or was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who will believe. Jews demand a miraculous sign and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block for the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger the man's strength. Father, I just ask you right now in the precious name of Jesus Christ, God, that you would open wide our heart to hear your word and your message today. In Jesus' name, amen. 
1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 18, Paul reminds us of his calling. In fact, the previous verse, Paul makes this statement to the church there uh, in Corinth. He says, I didn't, God didn't send me, or Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of his power. If you know anything about Paul and his letters, he, didn't, he wasn't necessarily eloquent with his words, although he probably could have been. But he wanted to preach Christ crucified on that cross. Yes, risen on the third day. Yes, we celebrate the resurrection, but make no mistake, I've been sharing for several weeks now, there's nothing but the blood, that the blood of Jesus that he's built on that cross at Calvary means something. It not only meant something in the first century, but even today in the 21st century, for us, it means something as well. For Paul, he preached Christ crucified because it was in his death that he forever changed our position before God. That it was through the cross and the message of the cross. So Paul clarifies his nature and mission. I will remind you that the, that the cross is the central message of the gospel. If you get rid of the cross and Jesus' death, you've forgotten everything about what it means to be saved. For over 2,000 years, the symbol of the cross has been the symbol of the Christian faith. Uh, has been the cross. There's been many great hymns. Some of y'all remember these. The old rugged cross. At Calvary, uh, at the cross, I love, you know, in fact, one of the earliest hymns, I'm just going to turn there in my Bible in Philippians chapter 2, uh, we probably don't sing it the way that they probably sung it back in that day, but even the first century church would sing about the cross in Philippians chapter 2, if you are looking in your Bible, it's kind of offset. Most scholars believe this was an early hymn that was written uh, for the church to sing, and they would have sung this song. The scripture says, Who being in very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death, on a cross. And therefore God exalted him to the highest place, gave him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Paul made this statement in Galatians chapter 6. He said, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And I can second that this morning. In other words, I don't want to boast about anything but the cross and His death and His resurrection. Jesus Christ. Oh, Charles Spurgeon was asked, he said, why do you always preach about the cross? How do you always get to the cross? He said, it's real simple. He said, I just get a text somewhere in the Bible, and I read it, and I, and I make a beeline to the cross. Friend, it's at the cross where heaven and earth meet, where sin meets a Savior, where lives are changed forevermore. Now, it's interesting in our passage this morning. In verse 18, the scripture reads, for the message of the cross is foolishness, to those who are perishing. I'm going to share several things this morning. One of them is this right here. The foolishness of the cross. The foolishness. That, in other words, the, the message here, the cross, literally means that word, message. Say the foolishness or the message of the cross is foolishness. The message there means the, the totality of the truth contained in it presented in the cross. In other words, his life, his death, his resurrection. The gospel is what's represented here. Paul's saying it's foolishness to those who are perishing. The gospel is God's plan and provision for anyone, anybody, any place to be saved. It is God's plan and provision for salvation. Christ's work on the cross is the pinnacle 
of God's work of salvation. This is why Paul said in Romans 1.16, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? It's the power of God unto salvation, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. It is only through way of the cross and the gospel. Now, let me, let me make sure this is clear. The Lord Jesus Christ has called me, listen to this, not to foolish preaching, but to preach a message that is foolish. To those that are perishing, this is a foolish message. The word he uses there, foolish, is where we get our English word moron. It's absurd. It's absurdity to those that are perishing, even so today in Paul's world in the first century. The Greeks and the Jews alike would have thought it was absurd to think that this person could have died on a cross and saved us from our sin, made right us before God. It would have been absurdity. It would have been nonsense. To those that were perishing, this makes no sense. Friend, I can testify today. When I was lost, this made no sense to me whatsoever. It was, it was uh, crazy in my mind to think that someone would want to go to church first and foremost. I never, I mean, I did. I used to mock and make fun. I mean this sincerely. We had guys at baseball practice that would leave church on Wednesday because they wanted to go to church. And I think, why in the world do you want to go to church? Who in their right mind would want to go to church? And then when I went to church, I thought, wow, this is the weirdest thing in the world. I'm being honest. People stand up and sit down. Then they say something. Then they stand up and sit down. And then you know what, they, you know what that preacher wants you to do? Give a little money. That's right. I ain't got no money. I ain't got nothing to give you. I thought, I'm serious. To those that are perishing, it's foolishness. Why in the world would I waste my life to go to church? That's exactly what Paul said. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. To think that anything significant could be accomplished through a carpenter from Nazareth. Born in an obscure place called Bethlehem. Supposedly born of a virgin. Lived 33 and a half years, sinless life is what we say. Died on a Roman cross. Three days later, we proclaim he rose from the dead. It's foolishness to those who are perishing. And I was one of them. Foolishness, absurd. To the Jews, they, they mocked him. They said there's no way. To the Greeks, they said it was foolishness to even believe this nonsense. In fact, you're no better than a moron. Paul would preach. To those that are perishing, to those that don't know Christ, this is all foolishness. And there is a foolishness to the cross. Friend, even so today, there are people around us today that say it would be foolish in what we're doing right here, gathering in this house called Flint Hill Baptist Church. It would be foolish on this day to waste your time. To those that are perishing, it's nothing but that. He goes on to say the second thing I want to say about the power of the cross. He said to those who are perishing, it's nothing but foolishness. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. I want to talk to you a minute about the power of the cross. How in the world could the blood of one such person remove sins, give perfect righteousness, and guarantee hope beyond the grave? I'll give you an answer. The power of God. The vindication of Jesus on the cross is not by wisdom. 
that it makes sense, but it's the power that it works. What do I mean? It changes lives. God changes lives through the power of the cross. Someone will say to me, uh, you're never going to convince me, preacher, of that message until I figure it out. Um, can I just be real honest with you? You're never going to figure out the message of the cross. It will never be attained through human wisdom. Never. The blood of Jesus is not applied to the human heart through wisdom, but faith. Forsaking all, I trust Him alone. By faith alone is God's grace applied to the repentant sinner. It's only by faith alone that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness and changes our heart from the inside out. But someone will say, well, you're not, I, I'm not going to believe that until you convince me. Listen, I'm going to tell you what. There's a lot of things in this world that I can't figure out, but I use and I experience and I enjoy every single day. I don't know about you on Sunday morning, but I get up early. I do. I get up real early. And it's still dark outside. And I, I'm going to tell you, I mean, even this morning, I mean, early I'm trying to be quiet. We got friends. We got people in the house. We got family in the house. Trying not to wake up everybody. And what do I do? I go into the little family room and I hit that little, that little lamp and I click that little switch. And the light comes on. I don't understand that. I mean, I really don't. You turn the switch and the light comes on. Now, I know some of y'all are up back there going, y'all are electrical engineers. Like, oh, I got that one. I got that one. But I don't get it. So what? I'm not going to sit in the dark. I'm going to turn the light on. If it don't work, you change the bulb. If it don't work from there, you call somebody. Don't call me. But I enjoy it every single day. I'm going to tell you something else. These little cell phones you got in your pocket. Or, well, you know, silence them if you don't mind. <laughs> I don't understand this. I mean, how in the world can you dial some numbers? It's not even connected to a line. And I can talk to, I can talk to my brother now. I could call him up. I wouldn't dare do it in the middle of a service. But I could call him up. He's over there in, outside of Houston, Texas. And I can talk to him like he's standing right next to me. I can't even understand that right now. Am I still going to use it? Absolutely. There's a lot of things in this world that I don't understand. I really don't, but I use and enjoy them every day. So if you're one of those folks saying, you got to convince me, you got to prove to me, you got to do this, you got to that, I got to understand it fully. You'll never attain salvation through wisdom of this world. Never has, never will. It's by faith alone. You know, I'm tell you something else I don't understand. I don't understand how one Saturday morning in Selma Square apartment some 34 years ago, this sinner heading straight to hell, void of any real peace and purpose in life. Two weeks prior to this moment, heard the first time in my life the gospel that God loved me and gave his life for me, that I could know him personally by putting my faith and trust in him. How in the world? I was at a college and career life group. They called it Sunday school back in that day. How in the world? I heard that Jesus died on that cross, that he rose again, proving himself power over death, hell, and the grave. How in the world at the age of 19 in that apartment I got down on my knees and cried out, said, Lord, here's my exact word. I said, Lord, take my life. I need you. On that day, in that moment, on that Saturday morning, friend, I want you to hear me. In that moment, I confessed faith in Jesus alone to forgive my sin. I confessed my faith in Christ. I needed him. I needed life. I needed purpose. I needed him personally. At that moment... 
the confirmation of my salvation came over me as God poured out a peace into my heart. As God is my witness today, I got up off my knees singing a new song. And now some 34 years later, I'm still singing a new song. And I'm still amazed at how much God loves me. I'm still amazed at the power of the cross. There's a lot of things I don't understand, but friend, hear me. God loves you. He loves you. And it has a wonderful plan for your life. Please don't look at some preacher up here. I'm telling you, as one sinner saved by the grace of God, I'm telling you right now, in Jesus' name, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And it's not just here and now, but it's forevermore. But you'll never know that until you come to faith in Christ personally. It's the power of God. It's the power of God for those who are being saved. To further illustrate this salvation is through the power of God. Paul uses this verse. He quotes this verse out of, the, out of Isaiah. Out of Isaiah chapter 29, verse 14. He, he quotes this verse. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligence. I will frustrate. It's to illustrate to the Jews listening to him in that moment the power of God. He says it is written. It means it is permanently written in the word of God. That when man has achieved his greatest achievements and his intellectual pursuits, God ultimately so overshadows everything of earthly wisdom as to bring it to nothing. In this day, the history of this one verse, the Assyrians were about to attack the, the, the small country of Judah, the southern kingdom. They had already ransacked the entire countryside. They had actually surrounded them. Many of the advisors of Judah, of Hezekiah, wanted them to have an alliance with Egypt. Go back and read your Bible. Go back to 2 Kings 18, 19. Read the whole story there. They don't know what to do. Their doom is inevitable. Their wisdom and power had failed completely. And Hezekiah prays this prayer. Now, O Lord, our God, deliver us, save us from his hand, this Assyrian king, so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone are Lord God Almighty. The Bible records in 2 Kings 19.35. You can read it later. One angel. God sent one angel. That night slew 185,000 Assyrian men in the army. They woke up the next day. They were going to attack Judah. Dead people all around them. The king in that moment withdrew, ran back to Nineveh. The power of God saved the people of Judah. Listen, it's still the cross. The power of God, the cross still saves lives today. It's the same thing in the first century. Jesus on that hill at Calvary presented high above that land for what? The world to see. Man, I'm telling you what, Satan from the very beginning didn't want him to go to the cross. Why? Because there's only one way for us to be saved. That's through the cross at Calvary. He's done everything in his might since then to try to muddy the waters and say, no, 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 you can be saved by any other ways you want. You can, you can choose whatever method you want. No, it's only through the power of the cross. It is only through the gospel that one can be saved. So it is still the power of the cross today. This, the, the third thing is this. And I'm going to say it this way. We need to embrace the cross. You know, he talks about, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. Friend, there is nothing in this world 
that will explain to you and show you and present to you and point you to a real Savior. It is not contained in the, wor in the, in the world's theology. It's not going to be there. Even though, that being said, when I say this to embrace the cross, some people have devised in their own wisdom to become right with God and to save themselves. I'm telling you, I've heard it so many times. People will say to me, say, Preacher, I'm just going to go to church uh, and give a little money. I say, that's great. That's beautiful. I'm glad. I want you to go to church. Some people even say, well, I'll join the church. I say, that's beautiful. That's wonderful. Some people say, I'm just going to get baptized again. I say, that's beautiful. That's wonderful. But friend, listen to me. Unless you have a personal experience, salvation experience with God through Jesus Christ, you'll split hell wide open and spend eternity separated from God. It's still the cross. There's no way under heaven that you can make yourself right enough to get to heaven. And yet some people still devise it in their brain. They'll say, well, you know, I'm just going to do enough good stuff like there's some scale of balance. I'm going to do enough good stuff for people that somehow, some way, God's going to say, hey, come on into heaven. Some, I met, I met a lady one time, she had a little, I call it cafeteria-style religion. What do I mean by that? She was taking a little bit of this and a little bit of that. It's like going to the cafeteria, a little buffet. You know, I'm sorry, cafeteria, y'all probably don't eat the cafeteria. The buffet line. You ever eat the buffet? That's kind of how she took it. She said, I'm going to take a little bit here, a little bit here, a little bit here, a little bit. Listen, I'm going to tell you, the world by its worldly standards say, that's fine. Just do it. It works for you. It works. Friend, listen to me. You do that. And you think, okay, that's wonderful. But it's not true. Friend, if there's anything you hear this preacher say, there's only one way to heaven. Jesus said, listen, you can say, well, you're narrow-minded. Okay, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's not one man, boy, girl, anybody in the house of the Lord this morning going to get there except through Christ alone. It is only through Christ. But we have to embrace the cross. In addition to that, I will say this. The cross is the great divider. We see this in this passage here. He says, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it's the power of God. It's the great divider. Now, I will say this to all of us here today, and I'm so grateful that you're here. Every one of you here in the sanctuary this morning, the truth is the cross stands between either you and heaven or you and hell. There is no other ground. It's one of those. You, you can't go to heaven except by way of the cross, and by the way, you can't go to hell unless you're stepping over the cross. There's no other way. What do I mean by that? I want you to, I want you to stay with me here. Listen to this. In your text, in, the, in, the, in this New Testament passage right here, it says the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Let me first address those who are being saved. That verb here in your text is in what they call the passive voice. What that means is when it's speaking out of the passive voice, that means the inability of those being saved to accomplish anything in their own strength. We all acknowledge that. It's by God's grace alone. He, in other words, the passage indicates, the verse indicates that in order for us to be saved, you've got to be acted upon by this outside force, namely God. In other words, apart from God coming into my life, I have no hope of being saved from sin and the assurance of heaven. The power of cross and the wisdom of God is the only way for us to be saved. There is no other way. God has to come into our life. I hope you could testify. I've had to ask you a question. Has God worked in your life? Has God changed your life? Let me say it that way. Has God changed anybody's life in, your, in the house this morning? Go ahead, put your hand up for me. I want to see somebody. Okay, thank you. All right, you can put it in. I know, you always ask for something. I know, and some people start raising their hands. Dawson McAllister made this statement a long time ago. It stuck with me. He said, if you know Jesus, K-N-O-W, then you know change, K-N-O-W. 
But if there is no, you know, Jesus in your world, your life, then there is no change. You can dress it up however you want to. You can look as pretty as you want to, but you're still going to smell like you don't know Christ. Yeah, does that make sense? I'm not asking you to smell your neighbor or nothing like that right now, but I'm just telling you, the truth is in the pudding. Right? There's no mistaking it. But in us for to be saved, the, the, the Bible's real clear here. You, salvation doesn't come from me. It's not anything I do. The only thing I am doing is receiving from God His greatest gift. He talks about in this passage, the only way is through the message of the cross. The message that he says here refers to the totality of what Christ has done, His life, death, and His resurrection. And by the way, it's the message refers to the content, not the delivery. It's still the cross. And what do I mean by that? Uh, it is only through Christ, His life, His death. He died. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to re-preach the last six messages. But He died for us. That He took our place on the cross. We were the ones held accountable, but He stood in for us. He atoned for us our sins. The message of the cross deals with the content. There's only one way to be safe, not the delivery. So, some of y'all might be here this morning and go, Preacher, I, I'm not sure I really like how you preach. I say, okay, that's fine. My family probably don't like how I preach either. That's okay too. You know, I've tried to change it a little bit. I have. There's some people that preach out here, man, they're so calm when they preach. I mean, they will. They'll, they'll, and they'll, hey, man, they have these beautiful lips. I mean, I'm telling you, they'll have three points in a poem. I mean, they will. They'll even break into a song at the end of the message. That'll mess some of you up if I start singing this morning. But please hear me. It's not about the delivery. Now, some of y'all might say, well, I don't prefer it. Well, that's okay, but listen to me. You need to hear this. It's about the content. Please hear this, because there's a lot of voices trying to preach a message of salvation in the world today, and unless they're preaching Christ crucified, risen from the dead, it is not the gospel. Amen. There's only one way to be saved. Please hear that. Now, Stay with me. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Paul uses a different voice here. You need to catch this. To those who are perishing, he uses the middle voice. It's not a future possibility, but a present reality. They are perishing. They are. It's not they will. They are currently right now. John 3, 16. I love that verse, right? Right, let me just go ahead and turn it because I'll misquote it in the midst of this moment. Yeah, some of y'all I know. I won't ask Fisher to do it right now. Here we go. Hold on. I love this verse. God so loved the world. You've heard this, haven't you? If you don't, man, I hope you hear it today. Man, let it be just sweetness to your ears. It was to mine the first time I heard it. God so loved the world. That means me and you that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Man, what a beautiful, beautiful verse. Listen to verse 17. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Why? Verse 18. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. They're already perishing. Condemnation is not something that's going to happen. It's already happening in the heart of those that don't believe in the gospel and believe in the cross and the message of the cross. But, but, he, but he uses the middle voice here. To indicate that it's an inside decision. It's not the passive voice that has to be acted upon. But there's an inside decision being made by those who are perishing. Uh, in other words, you, you might say to me, uh, uh, 
preacher, I, I don't think God would send anybody to hell. And I would agree with you. I'd give you a big high five right here, a little fist bump. Boom, boom. Just, I agree with that. But I, I made this statement earlier. The only way anybody here in the house of the Lord, anybody anywhere is going to hell is because they have inside themselves made the decision to resist the gospel. To not believe in the gospel. If you choose for yourselves, that means your own middle voice, your own volition, to spend eternity separated from God. How in our right mind would anybody want to do that? Can I just, can I be... I don't know if you've ever asked this question, but what, what does it take for a person to spend eternity separated from God? Please hear me. Nothing. Hold on. Don't do anything. With your inside, just choose not to believe. Don't do anything. See, some would say, preacher, you're getting kind of hard on me today. Friend, this is not a condemnation message. This is salvation. The glorious thing I heard Mr. Bearden shared on that day, this very words that I'm sharing with you, the message and the power of the cross. Why? Because if you're here today and you've never come to that place where you've chosen to believe in the Lord, listen, I want to tell you, today's the day. Today's the day. Thank you. I get an amen out of that. That's what I'm talking about. Bring it on. Preach it. Preach it. John MacArthur made this comment about this word perishing in your text right here. The translation could be they're being loosed. In other words, those that are perishing are being loosed from the ability to choose Christ and the message of the cross. What do you mean by that? In other words, MacArthur would go on to say, he would say this, look, if God is knocking on the door of your heart today and you know that, right now, but you resist. In other words, with that middle inside voice, you go, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Mm, too many people here, families here, they'll think I'm weird. I'm going to resist. He would say, look, you're being loosed from the ability to choose Christ. When you walk out these doors and you go on with your life today, the next time you hear the gospel, it's going to be easier to say no. Over and over again. Now, here's, here's where I'm going to come down to. Gavin, if you'll come up here with me. Where are you, man? Come on up here. Let's go. Kevin, come on up here. The only way to have your sins forgiven and the assurance of heaven is to embrace the message of the cross. Stay with me. Stay with me. To embrace the message of the cross. I want to ask you something. Please listen, everybody here. Please hear me. I prom- I'm, I'm, getting, I'm about to land this thing and we're going. Please hear me. I want to ask you a question. If I could look at everybody right now, just, ha- just look at me. Do you know that you know that if, you, if this was your last day on planet earth, that you would spend eternity with Christ in heaven? Do you have the assurance of heaven in your heart right now? Do you know that God has forgiven your sins, cleansed you from all unrighteousness, and that you know that you've been born again? And these are all words that Christ used of Nicodemus there in John chapter 3. Do you know right now? 
I didn't say, well, I hope so, preacher. Uh, I don't mean you hope. I mean, do you know him? Please hear me, everyone. If you don't know Christ personally, if you don't have the assurance of heaven and the forgiveness of sin in your heart, I just want to ask you to do something with me right now. If you will, bow your heads with me right now. Right now, right here with heads bowed across this sanctuary this morning. If you're not sure, let's make it sure right now. The only way to be saved is to hear the gospel message and to believe in Jesus alone for the forgiveness of sin and the assurance of heaven. I've shared that scripture. I've shared that really as well as I know how this morning. It's not this prayer that saves you, but it's your heart. And God will hear your heart like he heard my heart there in Selma Square Apartments. He will hear your heart this morning if you confess your faith in Christ right now. If that is you right here in this sanctuary, I'm just going to lead you in a prayer. I just invite you to pray with me a prayer of faith and trusting in Christ alone. In your heart, say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died on that cross for my sin. And I believe that three days later you rose from the grave. And I believe you're the only way for me to be forgiven of my sin. And I want to ask you right now, right here, forgive me. Cleanse my heart. Take my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Eyes up, church. In just a moment, we're going to sing a song. I think because He lives. Is that right? Go ahead. Friend, if you're here today, please hear me. And you genuinely, sincerely confess Christ personally right now. You nailed it down. Thanks be to God. As we begin to sing this song, I just want you to, I just want to encourage you. Come on down here. Take me by the hand and say, Preacher, I just gave my life to Christ today. It's that simple. Now, I say it's that simple. I'm going to be honest with you. God wants us to make public our profession of faith in Christ. I remember sitting in that chair where you are, feeling all kind of weirdness came over me during this time of response. And I'm telling you, Jesus wants you to make known what's happened in your life. If you mean business, if you were sincere, then I just want you to come on down, shake me by the hand, say, Preacher, I gave my life to Christ today, and I've trusted Christ as my Lord and Savior. I asked Him to take my life, to change my life. I'm not going through that again. Y'all with me? Let me say this. If you're here today, and today, it might not have been a day of salvation, but you've known Christ, but you're, you know today you've drawn the line in the sand and said, I've come home, Lord, I am back to you, and I am giving my life afresh and anew to you today. Don't be ashamed of that. Don't be ashamed. Come on down during this song of response. Shake me by the hand and say, Lord, say, Preacher, I'm just giving my life afresh and new to the Lord Jesus today. I'm going to ask y'all to stand to your feet right now, if you will. We're about to sing this song. It's a beautiful hymn. 
But friend, if you're here today, I'm going to be right down here in the front, right over here. You come on down. Shake me by the hand. Say, I give my life to Christ today. Let's sing this unto the Lord. Let's do that.